Hey everybody, it's Britt, lead pastor at Sunridge. Welcome or welcome back to the Sunridge Teaching Podcast. You know, we are on a mission here at Sunridge to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes all regardless of how far you feel from God. That means that we're a great starting point to explore Christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted Jesus follower. We are gathering indoors right now, socially distanced and masked for now. We'd love to have you drop in. Just check our website, sunridgechurch.org, for the latest details on times and options. And now, here's our teaching for this week. We hope it leads you to encounter the way of Jesus more fully. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Most of you are probably like, I'm freaking out. My name is Jed. It's a privilege to serve as one of our pastors on staff. If you're outdoors or online, we're so glad that you're joining us. This morning, things are obviously looking a little bit different. I have to say, Sunridge, I'm kind of proud right now because generally the worship team has a little joke that you guys like to show up late to miss worship through song. And this might be the most packed this room has ever been at 10.03. So I'm just saying, Britt, they, they paid attention to your email. You guys showed up. We are so thankful that you're here. If you are online, just know that as we go through some of these portions during the service where we're asking a couple questions, please engage in the chat or perhaps talk to some of the people who are sitting next to you on your living room couch. Okay, so here's the deal. This summer, you've heard us talk about this series called Formed, and a few weeks ago, we kicked things off with our pre-summer retreat. It was such a good time, and the premise of this series is the reality to all of life, which is you and I, no matter what, we are always being formed. And this summer, we thought that we would, instead of just thinking about these things passively, we would actively engage one another and go after eight of these spiritual disciplines that have been used throughout the centuries by different Christ followers. And every single week, we are going to begin as we did today. So please keep showing up on time. And in this portion where I am right now, there will be a very simple introduction And then after that introduction, we'll transition to another person this week. It's going to be Lisa. And then after that, Britt will come up. And just so you guys can get in the groove with us, we're going to use that same rotation for the next two weeks. So again, church life, I'll be up here. Lisa will be up here. Britt will be up here. Interspersed between those times, this is where I know you might be a little scared. There's just going to be a little bit of dialogue. Nothing crazy not going to have to share your deepest, darkest sins like Britt alluded to the week before. And so you're just going to get to share a little bit about whatever it is that we're talking about for the week. I want to show you a passage of Scripture. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And this is the Scripture that we're going to use to guide us throughout this summer. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the reason why we're showing you this passage of Scripture is because it's actually going to outline the way that our service goes. In this first section, when Lisa comes up, she's going to be addressing those first two underlines, what it means for us to be conformed to the pattern of the world, and how Jesus invites us to be transformed. And then finally, in the last section, Britt will be going after how we test and approve or try and see together. Again, it'll make more sense as the morning goes on. All right, you guys ready for our topic of the day? Yes? All right, so our spiritual discipline for this week 
is simplicity. And a lot of times when you guys think about simplicity, you might think about paring down and not going after this or that, but hopefully by the end of this service, we have more of a focused perspective on what this means. And to kick things off, we would like to show you a very simple video. You turn your attention to the screen. Now, I've never been a firefighter or a police officer, and we have a lot of those in this church. But any of you in the police academy have to do anything like that? Yeah, Britt Brit is saying yes. Hey, why don't we take a few moments? We've got a question up on the screen as Lee transitions to the stage. You've got three minutes amongst the people. If you want to introduce yourself, that would be kind of you. And then answer this question with simplicity as our spiritual discipline in mind. How might that word relate to the video that you just watched? All right, we have a couple people still finding their seats. Come on in. You are welcome here. Well, wouldn't it be nice if we all had that kind of focus of some of those cadets for all of the important things in our lives? Wouldn't it be nice if we all knew exactly what we were supposed to do and why, just like some of those cadets, every single moment of the day on a daily basis, a kind of clarity and conviction, such that we knew all of those other things in life just couldn't phase us. All those normal parts of life that throw us off balance and stress us out and make the anxiety go higher and higher and higher. Can we even really imagine what it would be like to be like some of those cadets? To not be so impacted by all that life throws at us every day. Would you say that that's how you're living? Or are you perhaps a bit more like me and you feel a li little bit more like this every day? filming this. Okay. Okay. Well, doesn't that about sum it up? Many, many of us would say that we feel like we're running around like chickens with our heads chopped off all day long, but doesn't it actually many days feel more like the chickens are coming after us and we are running away screaming like life itself is just coming after us all day, every day, unrelenting, unstopping, without a break, all day, every day. I'm dealing with this and then that, and man, I didn't see that conversation coming, and I better go put out that fire over there and respond to the millions of texts that just came in and figure out why this person over here seems kind of mad at me, and all the while keeping all the usual plates spinning in the air of all the normal things, the work and the family obligations, and everything just starts to feel more and more complicated. And like, if I am not on my A-game every possible minute of the day, then everything is all just going to come crashing down in some terrible way. Well, the spiritual discipline that we're working on today is simplicity. And Jed invited you to, to think about what comes to mind with that word. And I'm guessing it was nothing like being chased down by a horde of angry chickens. Remember that we are rooting ourselves in Romans 12 too for this entire summer series and the way that we are seeking together to open ourselves and go after the transformation and the change that the Lord 
in his goodness to us once for us in this season, according to his version of what abundant life looks like for us. And so, just like we will every week of this series, we'll take a look at that Romans 12:2 verse, and we'll ask ourselves, when it comes to this spiritual discipline, for this week it's simplicity, is there a pattern of this world that we are conforming to that is robbing us of the abundant life that Christ has for us? Something that speaks to that terrible, anxiety-causing way of hustle and hurry and distraction and complication and stress and sense of just too muchness of life that Christ wants to transform our minds into? Is there some kind of deeper desire within us, perhaps a bit broken, perhaps a bit conformed to this world that is driving us toward that soul-crushing lifestyle? And I know that many of us would answer that question really differently, but how many of our answers in some way or another, would be rooted in a desire to feel secure, safe, settled, deeply rooted in knowing our worthiness and our value. And of course, our Lord wants that for us, and so there is nothing in and of itself that is wrong with that. And yet, Jesus is inviting us to take an honest look at how we have conformed to the world's version of where our security is found. Because we know where the world tells us our security is found. Our security is found in our ability to keep all those plates spinning in the air, to hold it all together ourselves by sheer effort. My security is found in how well I do my job, whether that's the paid work I do, or being a good mom, a good wife, a good daughter, a good friend, on and on and on the list goes. My security is found in how well I can protect myself whether from external threats like danger, sickness, bad people, or from those internal threats to my own sense of peace and my sense of of mind, my peace of mind. And so we are often people who are frantic to hold on to and and maintain our ability to to protect ourselves in that way from pain and hardship that relational conflict, looking dumb or stupid in front of other people, having our sense of identity threatened. The people who I love would tell you that about how much fretting I do every time I have to stand up here and speak in front of you and how frantic I am to protect myself and secure myself from the pain of your judgment of me. We protect ourselves in that way by holding on to and maintaining security over that. But how Ironic isn't. Isn't it one of the saddest ironies of life that the very way that we go about trying to gain on to that security is often robbing us of the very security that we're so desperate for, the security that Christ holds out to us. I'm going to show us one more video clip right now. It's of the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks. It's been a while for some of us. Um, you'll remember that Tom Hanks was stranded on a deserted island, and he befriends a volleyball out of his loneliness and in order to maintain his sense of, of sanity, of security. So let's take a look. That is such a sad clip, isn't it? And we can watch that and think, what in the world, sweet Tom Hanks? It's a volleyball. That makes no sense. And yet we know that we are not people who are literally risking our lives for volleyballs. And yet Are there perhaps things that we are risking our lives for in order to hold on to and maintain our sense of security? 
and control, things that we are grasping onto. And by that, I mean the life, the abundant life that Christ has for us. I joked with the team when we first watched that clip that it reminded me that my, my second, my daughter, Mariah, is heading to college in August. Um, the second one to go f- as far away from mom as possible. <laughs> She'll go to Philadelphia and to Villanova. And if anybody's wondering what I'm going to look like in the airport as she's walking away from me, you can just go ahead and roll that clip again. <laughs> Hopefully I won't be screaming her name, Mariah, through the airport. No guarantees. She's right there. <laughs> Because while I'm not going to be literally holding on to her, physically holding on to her in that moment, I have nonetheless my entire parenting career held on to those kids so tightly, held on to control over them, all three of them, all of whom are now young adults. I can acknowledge to you that my security has very, very often been wrapped up in when I feel like they are secure. And conversely, I feel like I'm dying inside when they're in crisis. I can acknowledge that to you. And a lot of that, of course, is just kind of God-given sympathy and mothering instincts. But by far, the majority of my angst in those moments comes down to a lack of faith in my and their Heavenly Father. I'm going to invite us to take a look right now. If you have your Bible, I know that we're not big into grabbing our Bibles on a Sunday, but if you have your Bible app too, I would love to invite you to open up to Matthew 6 because the words will be up on the screen, but then they're going to go away and we're going to keep looking at it. So we're in Matthew 6, and these are verses that are going to be really familiar to us, partly because we were just in them for our Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew 6, starting at verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Well, we know that most of us here are not people who are literally worried about what we will eat or drink, or where most of us live in plenty in that regard. And yet, we are people who are very worried about a lot of other things, who have other fears of scarcity, fears of ways that God is going to drop the ball, not do his job, forget, fail to provide for us and the people that we love. And we are people who are working really, really hard to control and manage and hold it all together and create this illusion of security for ourselves. And it is robbing us of abundant life. Can we maybe admit to ourselves that so much of our hustle and our overwork and our, over, and our underrest comes down to the fact that it is so stinking hard to believe that our good Father is actually going to do what he promises he will do. And instead, we're believing that it's up to us that our security and our avoidance and pain is up to us. 
Well, the second question that we're going to be addressing every single week in this series, again, according to that Romans 12:2 framework, is how is Jesus inviting us to be transformed in this area? If we've identified the pattern of this world, how then is he inviting us to be renewed in our mind? And for that, we can look back at that Matthew chapter 6. We can see in those verses that we can participate in our, in our transformation by putting our possessions in proper perspective. That's my tongue twister for the day. Those things that we consider ours. Jesus says here, I see you there worrying. I see you thinking and behaving and acting like all this depends on you, your security, you holding it all together. But look at what Jesus in his love for us reminds us of in these verses. Who does he remind us is ultimately responsible for all of that? Your heavenly father feeds. He clothes. He sees. He knows everything that you need. And you, sweet thing, you can't even add a single hour to your life with all this striving and hustle and work. And so our possessions, those things that we consider ours, whether that be actual things or maybe our jobs, people, the people we love, our positions, our future, those things are put into the proper perspective, which is that they were a gift from God to us. And so it is ultimately his job to care for them, not ours. And that leads us into the second way that Christ is inviting us into transformation into these verses. It's found right there in verse 26, are you not much more valuable than they? Honestly, how often are we actively working to root ourselves, ground our minds in the essential truth of our faith of how valuable we are to God? His extreme care for us that he knows, that he sees it all, and is on the job in a way that is more than we could ask or even imagine. Because if we are operating according to the belief, regardless, by the way, of what we would say we believe, if we are operating according to the belief that all this depends on us, that our security in life depends on us, then we will be robbing ourselves of that abundant life and the health and the healing that he has. Instead, we can participate in our transformation by actively working to build our faith muscles. We can practice, and I do mean practice. It's going to take practice believing that all this Matthew 6 business right here is actually true and that God is here and he knows and he sees and he will provide everything we need. Then that will be opening ourselves up to the transformation that he has for us. And then finally, this is actually most important, we can participate in our transformation by seeking first the kingdom of God. He says that when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything that we need for the security that we long for can be ours. When we think back about those cadets from that first video, some of them had that steely focus such that they couldn't be phased at all by those distractions of those, that chicken, it is with that same kind of steely focus on the kingdom that we will be opening ourselves to the abundant life. Life that, by the way, looks nothing like being chased down by hordes of hostile chickens. Will the chickens still be there? Yes, 
Of course they will. (laughs) We are real people with real lives. It is not God's vision for us for the chickens to go away because let's face it, you guys, those chickens, those are also the things that give our life the greatest joy and meaning and purpose. Those, Those chickens are things like our work, meaningful work, the people we love, our families. And so it is not his vision to just make them all magically disappear. That wouldn't make any sense. And yet having a singular focus on the kingdom puts all those chickens in their proper place with the proper perspective. And it all hinges on that one thing. And so having a focus on that one thing then is finally simplicity. It's the spiritual discipline of simplicity. The simplicity that leads to abundant life isn't really about purging. It's not minimalism or asceticism. It's not It's not a lifestyle magazine about how to be better organized. It's not ultimately, fundamentally about owning less, doing less, speaking less, generating less waste. The simplicity that God invites us into is a radical realignment of our life with his. It's a turning away from conformity to this world with a single-minded focus on his kingdom and the security that comes from being a citizen of that kingdom and a daughter or a son of the king. It's knowing that. It's knowing that. It's living in and experiencing a deep closeness and relationship and presence with the king such that our lives start to resemble him more and more as we know him and trust him and align ourselves with his rule and reign. And so what does it actually mean then to sink our teeth into this thing of seeking first the kingdom of God? Well, thankfully, that's for Britt to come up here and tell you about because it's actually a lot easier to talk about seeking first the kingdom of God than it is to actually do it. But before Britt comes up here, I'm going to give you one second question. You're going to have to kind of turn your sheet and write in the margins because You can see we had a lot of stuff on that note sheet for you, so we didn't have time, we didn't have a space for this. But if you kind of turn it over and answer this question, it's also going to be on the screen. If Jesus were going to rewrite his words there in Matthew 6 and address you personally, what would he say? If he were going to say, therefore I tell you, fill in your blank, so if it were me, therefore I tell you, Lisa, do not worry about what are the things in your life that most threaten your inner focus in simple faith. Because we know that most of us don't find our security in what we're eating or drinking or wearing. But what are the ways that you do seek security? What would Jesus call out in you in his love for you? Take one minute. Uh, Megan's going to put a timer up there. You're going to do that yourself for a little bit. And then we're going to give you a few minutes to talk in your groups about how you filled that out. You guys are doing so good. Maybe I should just put this away and we could go home. You're probably preaching better sermons than I could. How you doing so far? Yeah. Sounds like a great buzz. So uh, my job here is to wrap this whole thing up. No pressure. I want to tell you, uh, recently Cindy and I... um, headed up to Corona to pick up some used furniture we found on OfferUp or whatever. And uh, we had some other things we needed to get. So on the way, I thought we might as well like get all everything done in one trip. 
So as you can imagine, this was kind of a progression of additions. It included cabinet parts and lumber and food and tools, and finally, this set of furniture that we were going to buy. And even though it didn't all fit in there the way that I thought it was going to, I got extra straps out, that's what you do when you have too much stuff, and strapped it all down to the best that I could. And you know, as I headed out on that freeway, maybe you felt this before, like my stress level was high. And um, I kept looking in my rearview mirror constantly, And I was also, I mean, like by a couple of exits, I had encouraged Cindy to unbuckle herself and look at the back and check it all out a couple of times. And uh, you guys know when you're driving along the freeway and there's that traffic slow and there's debris scattered all over the freeway and you kind of have this uh, sympathy for some misfortune misfortunate stranger, uh, because you see all this and you wonder like, oh my gosh, this is horrible that this happened to somebody. I was on my way to being that guy. And, uh, but wisely, I decided uh, to pull over on the freeway, on the freeway, couldn't even make it to the exit, and unload everything I had in the back of my truck onto the side and then proceed to reload it. And if you can imagine, if you've been on the, one of the most dangerous things firemen do, have I ever mentioned to you I used to be a fireman? It's not running burning building, it's working along the freeway with all the people that you see at the DMV that are driving. <laughs> They're all driving very fast, and so I knew I was taking my life into my hands, but in the end, I had too much stuff And it was all in the wrong order. You know, simplicity isn't something that we can just cram into our lives um, and make it fit. And as Lisa already said, it's not just dumping things. Though for some of us, on occasion, that might be the best choice that we can make. If we try to cram seeking the kingdom of God into an already crowded life, we will not be achieving simplicity. By its very nature, it can't be an addition. The essence of simplicity, as as Lisa's already referred to it, is found in Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, the simplicity of seeking first enables me to determine what I really need to put into the truck and in what order. Now, seeking first is not a pyramid of decision-making or do this one thing, the first thing in the morning, and then everything will handle itself. And now you can just move on to doing life. It's something that affects every part of our lives constantly and every part of us. Seeking first the kingdom, we have to start with this premise, that we have a king, and we live in his kingdom. We are citizens in that kingdom, or servants, or soldiers under his reign, living in his land or his palace. And as such, our priorities are simple, to seek his kingdom, and his righteousness. 
When we say seek the kingdom of God, it's not seeking the heavenly, you know, by and by. It's just going to be so wonderful, um, which it will be. I don't, 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 don't misunderstand what I just said or understand what I said, and I just said it wrong. Um, it's to seek his kingdom and his righteousness here and now. The kingdom of God is here. It's what Jesus ushered in. He said, I came to bring the kingdom. It is the way the world is meant to be under God. And righteousness, seeking his righteousness, typically we think of that as, some, uh, as personal holiness, which it is, but it, it is also bringing rightness to the world to bring our abilities and our resources and our influence to make the world right under our king's reign. It's as if Jesus is saying, see to it that my kingdom is as it should be. And arrange our lives around his rule. And then Jesus says, if you do this, if we do this constantly, the arrangement happens. All these things are added to you. So it's not one and done. It requires intentionality and constant monitoring and doing. What, what do you think of when you hear the word seek? Does that sound passive to you? Uh, last weekend at our retreat, last evening, I thought I lost my phone. Do you know that feeling? You start seeking for your phone. Is it passive? Is it casual? Like, eventually I'll get around to finding my phone. No, it becomes this primary thing. And even though I was still trying to do my due diligence of putting things away and taking care of things, and the foremost of my mind was finding that phone. And um, it was nowhere to be found. And eventually I ended up out at our trailer in the Sunridge Trailer Park that had been uh, put up here. And uh, Cindy told me, your phone is driving down Winchester Road. Now, gladly, that was not a thief. It was a new friend of mine, Chuck, that I had sat with. And he brought my phone, turned around, and started coming back. So... All I'm saying is, when we do seeking, it's not just a moment in the morning. It might be part of it. It's not just thinking about it. It's physical. It's intentional, and it's ongoing. This is simplicity at its fundamental level from Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. The Christian discipline of simplicity is an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. Both the inward and the outward aspects of simplicity are essential. We deceive ourselves if we believe that we can possess the inward reality without having it having a profound effect on how we live. Simplicity boils life down to seeking God. So, we're going to try some practices this week. They're not legalism. We're not foisting anything upon you. It's just a way for us to taste and see 
that the Lord is good, Psalm 34, 8. So in practicing simplicity, and this will be a pattern that we do each week so you can get comfortable with it, we're going to start first of all with what we're asking you to do as a daily meditation. It's in your notes. It'll be up on the screen as well. And we want you to begin each morning with this scripture meditation on 633, Matthew 633. Just spend 10 minutes. 10 minutes just sitting with your cup of coffee or whatever your beverage in the morning is, or if you don't drink anything, you just sit there, don't turn the TV on, and just think or read this verse and write down your thoughts. You can start a journal even on this if, uh, if that's your thing. And just start to contemplate the meaning of this simple statement by Jesus. And then, sometime during the day, do a check-in with God. Maybe set your alarm or do it at lunch. And just, again, think in the middle of the day, not just the morning meditation, but think, like, how is my day being affected by these words of Jesus, to seek him first? Whether you're driving to soccer practice or making dinner or working out or mowing the lawn, whatever it is you're doing, do a check-in with God and see how this simple act is, a, is affecting you during the day. And then we have some optional suggestions for you to do along with this. Number one, deaccumulate. Some of you need to do this anyway. Clean out a room or a closet or your office. Get rid of stuff that you don't even use anymore. This is a great one for families to do. Do it with your kids. Have them get rid of some of their toys. That doesn't work. Sneak their toys out of the house when they're gone. And put them in the bottom of the trash. Not that I've ever done that before. While you're doing that, talk about it or at least think about like how, does, how do things accumulating in our lives relate to how spiritually life becomes less simple because we just keep adding to it? Number two, option two, eliminate something you think may be controlling you. For this week, consider cutting out your favorite junk food, online shopping. I know I'm preaching now, so just bear with me. Coffee, beer or wine, cable news, social media, Netflix. Things that you, you think are controlling your mind in your day. And allow the elimination of those things to symbolically represent all the distractions that are in your life that are keeping you and I from the simplicity of seeking Jesus. Option three Review your last month's bank statement. And just look at your spending habits through the lens of Matthew 6, 33. And then consider making some changes that would more realign the way you use your resources in seeking him first. And then number four, evaluate your possessions. And for this, it's like take five sticky notes and write on, the, write on each note these phrases. Put it up there, please. Okay, don't. A gift, his to protect, or available. 
put each one of those lines on every sticky note, and then think about the, the possessions, quote-unquote, that you have in your life, the things that you're holding on to most tightly. It could be a thing. It might be a person. And put that sticky note on that thing so that every time you pass it, you're contemplating those words, a gift, his to protect, and available. Now, you can't, if it's one of your children, you can't actually put this on your kid, I want to tell you, <laughs> because they will get their lunch money stolen. So, but put it on a picture of them. You, you get the point. And during the week, when you see those stickies, take note of your thoughts and your feelings and talk to God about what you're thinking about that. And then for all the nonconformists, we have number five. It's just now coming in. <laughs> Design your own, chief? <laughs> Design your own practice of simplicity and write it on your notes and do, do that one. So those are, those are ways that this week we can practice the discipline of simplicity and seeking God's kingdom first. Now we're going to give you just a few minutes to talk about this uh, before we worship. And there are three questions that you can do, all three or one. one. Number one is, which of these practices make you feel most uncomfortable? Which ones would bring you the most joy? And number three, which one are you thinking about trying and why? Or maybe share the one that you wrote for yourself or that you're thinking about doing for yourself. Okay? Hey, everybody. It's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need help with something, if you have a question, or you'd just like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org. Or if you'd like to know more about us, just go to our website, sunridgechurch.org, and you'll know what to do from there. We hope you'll listen in again next week. But in the meantime, wherever you go, deepen faith, bring hope, and live love.